cult. I, oh, God, I love a cult. I There's... love a cult. Why has no one made a, a TV show or game called Cult Island? <laughs> like, this is a great, like, this is a reality TV show just waiting to, you know, happen. It's like Survivor, but you've joined a cult or something. Okay, what the they have? Survivor, though. I was going to say, it's Bachelor in Paradise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to a massive, delightful podcasting crossover event. I am Martha and I am here today as one of your representatives from Did You Do Your Homework, along with my co-host. Uh, I am Pete Romberg, another one of your Did You Do Your Homework uh, guests, and joining us for this super special crossover event are... But not only are they joining us, we are also joining them. That's true. And also, we have obviously not rehearsed this in the slightest. Pete, why are you telling on us like that? <laughs> um, but welcome also to Catching Up David. Hello, this is David from Catching Up David. And with me is Hallie. Hello, Hallie. Hello. Hello, Hallie. That's me. And hello, Kristen. Hello, David and Martha and Pete, not Hallie. Not I just said hello to myself. <laughs> hello. I don't need your hello. Uh, hello so we, we got invited from by the delightful people of Catching Up David to join them on this giant super episode where eventually we are going to be talking about video game movies made in the 90s. Uh, but first, we're going to start with a little bit of did you do your homework style uh, media stuck in your head and talk about the unrelated media that we can't get out of our heads this week that we have been enjoying in whatever format. Uh, Pete, would you like to kick us off? Not really, but I feel like I should. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of flat-footed here because I haven't thought about this terribly well. I think I'm going to go with the uh frank herbert's dune books uh dune as we all know is going to come out this friday as of when we are recording um we're all very excited for it but i have used this as an opportunity to reread not only the original uh dune book by frank herbert but the following like six books that he wrote um i'm not touching anything written by his son and kevin j anderson because i read two of them many moons ago and they're not good uh but i'm i'm wrapping up children of dune right now and i cannot wait to fast forward a thousand years and and reread god emperor of dune um and i'm enjoying i'm enjoying the the latter books tremendously so far i will be honest with you i after children of dune i kind of run out of enthusiasm for the sequels yeah, I'm going to guess that when I get to, like, Chapter House of Dune, I'm going to be like, ugh, ugh, okay, fine, this chore is, is almost done. Um, but I, it has been so long since I read those latter books, and I was, like, a freshman in high school that I'm kind of excited to revisit them, knowing that Herbert's, like, things that he focuses on are exactly my favorite things as well, like the confluence of religion and how that influences society and weird you know hippie psychedelic uh you know ideas about uh genetic racial genetic memory or whatever the nonsense is and ecological terraforming of planets i'm like yeah all right this signed me up for all this 
Stoner sci-fi? Stoner mm-hmm. sci-fi. <laughs> um, Hallie, what is stuck in your head this week? Me? Okay, what's stuck in my head this week is, is uh, a show called Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, because I love it so much. Uh, for context, for, for, for many, many months now, some friends and I have had a weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! night on Sunday nights because they wanted me to see some season of the original Yu-Gi-Oh! And I said, oh, when I was a kid, I used to watch some Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, like, on Saturday mornings, the odd episode I caught. I always really liked it, so we should jump to that one next. And they were like, eh, okay, but now everybody loves it so much, and I was right in that it is a good slash fun cartoon and we all got to see each other in person recently and two of the people who were with our group had not been a part of our Yu-Gi-Oh! nights and didn't really like it but the thing is that on Saturday mornings we would just force them to watch a couple episodes with us while we were like eating our cereal having our coffee and now they like the show because we did it we just accidentally (laughs) converted them into into Yu-Gi-Oh! GX fans. One of them bought Yu-Gi-Oh! cards, like, while we were out somewhere, and we were like, wow, this is more than we have ever, than we could have ever dreamed of getting Yu-Gi-Oh! people into Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. So now we all have an app where we can duel each other, and it's taking over our lives. And, you know, that's just, like, fine. It's fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. The story is beautiful. Thank you. Um, When I was... A freshman in high school, I subscribed to Shonen Jump, which was just starting out in the United States as a publication. And one of the promotional items that came packaged in one of my issues of Shonen Jump was a VHS tape with the first couple episodes of the first Yu-Gi-Oh! show that they aired in the United States. Oh my god. (laughs) It is truly one of the deep regrets in my life that I don't still own that. Why would I you ever get rid of that? I don't know what happened oh, to it. I'm quite, I know. I'm quite certain that I, in my 14 to 15 year old hubris, thought, I have watched this. I will never I'm... need it again. I know. It was. Uh... And then you turned into an adult and you were like, I want my cartoons. That... Correct. <laughs> tape, please. Yes. Rewind time. Anyway, uh, that's, what, that's what I've been into. Yes, I love I love Saturday morning cartoon time. Just however that gets chosen to be interpreted. Is is Yu-Gi-Oh GX is that the same characters as OG Yu-Gi-Oh? So we've got um uh weirdly enough I only remember Yu-Gi-Oh's name uh of this but like <laughs> you know like his buddy and the evil guy with the eye or whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, I know. It, uh Oh no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say is it, is it all those characters or is it like new characters, new adventure? Yes and no, because okay. in the first, it's like a new protagonist and new friends. Because you see, you see, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX takes place at a school for dueling that was founded and built by Kaiba from the original Kaiba, series. So, like characters, Kaiba characters are referenced, and Yugi appears in the first episode as an adult, but you only see like the back of his head, and you can just tell it's him from like the hair and the voice and stuff. And he gives. Uh, a winged card to the new protagonist because he's running late for the entrance exams to get into Dual Academy. And I love Dual Academy because there are three houses and you're sorted into them based on dueling skill. But there's also like a huge difference in quality of life between the houses. So Obelisk Blue is the best house. And that's because 
Obelisk the Tormentor is Kaiba's god card. And in that house, everybody has their own rooms, and it's like a mansion, and there's like a pool, and you get this really fancy buffet every night. And then there's Ra Yellow, which is like a, a normal dorm. There's a cafeteria, and like two people share a room. And then there's Slifer Red, and Slifer Red is the worst house because Slifer is Yugi's god card. And Kaiba just named the worst house after Yugi's thing. And in Slifer, like, three people share a room. It's really small. It's like a motel. You get rice and shrimp all the time. Like, it's it's fine, but it's the worst house. And it's just so ridiculous. Like, the conditions of this school are so ridiculous, and I love it so much. So it's also, in addition to, like, the world-ending magic card dueling game, it's also school story. We have final exams coming up, and that is deeply my... <laughs> I love, I love a wild boarding school. I love a yes, wild right? anime boarding school. Um, someday, Hallie, you and I will have to talk extensively about Food Wars, which I've also made Pete watch. <laughs> I, for I, our knew, show. I knew you were going to bring a Food Wars, that and a, a, a Fire Emblem. <laughs> uh, listen. Fire Emblem. Yes. <laughs> anime boarding school. Yes. <laughs> it's the oh. best. I, I'm still caught up. I don't. I know nothing about Yu-Gi-Oh. But they go around just calling him Yugi. Like they don't call yes. him Yu-Gi-Oh. Correct, because his name is no. Yugi. Yeah, his name is Yugi. I don't like that. I want to call him Yu-Gi-Oh every time I see him. Well, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh is like his. Most people do. Like his alter ego when he's possessed by the spirit of the cards. Well, they or also least... call him Yugi, yeah. so it doesn't really make. Well, Yami Yugi is his name. Yes, because Yami means dark. So it's not really, it's not super clever. I don't actually know where the Yu-Gi-Oh part came from. But I think, but I think it's something to do with like the ancient Egyptian lore that. Kind of inspired all of it. Yeah, that did everything. Kristen, what is stuck in your head tonight? In a departure from Yu-Gi-Oh, I am currently watching Community. Ooh. which is a fun little show because I had never seen it before and my sister started it about a month or two ago and it was on in the background and I thought, this is a fun little cast of characters. So I, the other day, finished season two. So I will move on to starting season three once I finish all the other billion shows that I have to catch up on. But, so yeah, my brain is, is kind of a lot of shows right now. But the one I have been consistently watching is Community. And I have been thinking a lot about their very intense defense of the singing group, the Bare Naked Ladies, mm. after hearing the chimpanzee <laughs> postcard song by the Bare Naked Ladies come up on one of my playlists the other day. <laughs> if I remember Community right, you're, you're getting to really like some of their best episodes right now in, in season two and three. Like they're really hitting their stride. Okay, I really, I really enjoyed the bottle episode where yes, uh, yes, uh, Annie's Annie's pen was missing, and she's like, "Nobody take my pen," because that feels like an aggressively Kristen thing to do. To be like, <laughs> "One of you has it, and I will not let you leave." I felt very like, keen. I can't leave. They're doing a bottle episode, <laughs> right? Being aware of it, yeah, so good. I'm a big so, fan of all of the paintball episodes. Yes! 
the season two finale was was a two-parter paintball episode and i just Mm -hmm. love how serious it is she was like that was a game this is paintball and i'm like yeah (laughs) paintball's a way of life i've never played but i believe in it Uh, so stuck in my head, um, and I finished I finished the show about a week or so ago, but it continues to be stuck in my head because I can only be who I am, and that is a basic Netflix person. Um, but it's it's Squid Game, me and the rest of the nation, the rest of the world, very hung up, very hung up on Squid Game. Um, if you perchance are not familiar with Squid Game, which how? Um, it is a Korean show on Netflix about a bunch of people in um, South Korea who are very generally very deeply in debt and get offered a chance to play uh, a series, compete in a series of games for the chance to win a huge money uh, money prize pot. Uh, what they do not immediately understand, though, is that if you lose the games, you are dying. This is this is a situation. This is a Hunger Games style situation where the winner is the only one who's going to walk away alive. Hey, uh, yeah. it's it's incredible, yeah. and I, I cried a lot. I've been to start Squid Game for a really long time. Yeah, my I chiropractor. Everyone has been recommending it, but especially my chiropractor, who we have like very similar tastes in like shows and movies. He was like, "Have you seen Squid Game? We've been watching that at home." And I'm like, "Oh, I haven't, but maybe I will." And then SNL did the Squid Game song on this most recent episode, and that was fun. Well, and all of the games they play are like schoolyard, like child games. So the first game you see, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but the first game you see them play is Red Light, Green Light. Mm-hmm. So it the whole thing has this very like over the top, oversaturated, like too colorful, childlike vibe that is I'm then contrasted that. very deeply when people start getting shot in the head. <laughs> very, very <laughs> bloodily. Yes. Um, what I want to know is knowing that it's like childhood games. Presumably, there is a game called Squid Game that there they is. play, and. And maybe it's, you know, like a, a Korean game that's very popular there, but here, so that I'm is excited what, to see what it is. Yeah, that is what I understood. The, the opening sequence is kind of explaining the mechanics of the, the titular Squid Game. That, that being said, uh, I listened to Pop Culture Happy Hour, which is NPR's pop culture podcast, had an episode about Squid Game, and one of the people they had talking about it is a Korean-American who I think um, grew up in, in South Korea. And she was like, I have never heard of this squid game before. And I did not understand what I did not understand it as they were explaining the rules. So I don't know how, like, there are some definite like Korean specific games happening, but that one might be made up for this. Well, there, it could also be like a regional thing. Absolutely. I mean, like schoolyard, schoolyard games, I think part of the charm of them is that they vary so drastically from schoolyard to schoolyard. Mm -hmm. So it, it, also, like, I'm sure that when I was eight, I there were games that we played that were not familiar with you to you guys, just as, you know, if you had something that was totally ubiquitous to you, I might go like, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um, Did you know that in Minnesota, they called Duck Duck Goose Duck Duck Gray Duck? 
I did. I did know that they call it by the incorrect. I thought name. that was a. I thought that was a Canadian thing. Which, as I'm so saying it, older. also would make sense for it to be a Minnesotan thing. My my <laughs> wife is Minnesotan, and she has a sweater with um. I think I, I, it's a yellow duck, a yellow duck, and a gray duck on it, and that's all it is. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, because I, I, had a, I had a Minnesotan friend from college who insisted that it was duck, duck, gray duck. Yeah, no, they're though... they're very strongly of the opinion. They they hold very strong and very incorrect views about the name of that game. <laughs> David, are you are you a Squid Game person, David? I haven't watched it yet. Um, of the Netflix things that I'm going to watch that are on my my ever-growing netflix list um midnight mass is probably ahead of mm. squid game uh, oh just David. because i really loved i really loved um house on house what is it house of there's that, there's the house on haunted hill house on haunted hill haunting, no there's ha- haunting of hill house and then the haunting, haunting of, of Bly hill manor house. haunting of yeah. hill house is the one that i watched and i haven't seen haunting of Bly manor so that one is probably going to come before midnight mass but I, um, I, have... I really loved Haunting of Hill House. I thought that one was incredible. Yes, I have deep and endless feelings about all of the Mike Flanagan projects. And mm-hmm. I thought Midnight Mass was a masterpiece. So we could probably do a crossover episode of, of those three Mike Flanagan Netflix shows. No, Pete, we could not because I need at least four hours per show. <laughs> To fully explore <laughs> all of my, <laughs> um, but no, I think they're great. I think that I, I think that Mike Flanagan has a really interesting approach to horror that makes it very accessible to people who aren't like not horror people. Um, but yeah, I I loved Midnight Mass. I thought it was the best thing he's done so far. I have not seen it, but I really enjoyed the uh, trailer for it, where it had that Somewhere Only We Know song, and it just Mm -hmm. repeated the You're Gonna Let Me In, and I'm like, oh, way to take a fun, sort of like, soothing song in a way, and make it creepy. Love when they make it creepy. (laughs) Uh, David, what is stuck in your head this week? So, this week, I've been obsessed with this old production of dracula that played on broadway in like 1977 and i think 78 as well oh it was special because edward gory designed all the sets and the costumes and the playbill basically everything visually related to the show and if you're unfamiliar with edward gory he's like he's one of my favorite illustrators and artists and he was an author as well he he did an impressive number of children books and book covers from like the 50s through the 80s or the 90s he did like all the original covers for um, the John Belair's books, the House with the Clock in His Walls and stuff, which were a huge part of my childhood, if you're familiar with those. And um, the cover art from that series is part of what drew me to them in the first place. And um, even, if, even if you don't know Edward Gorey by name, you're likely to recognize his style, which is, you know, it's sort of, it's often black and white and looks sort of sketched and like gothic almost. Um, you'll probably recognize you know, maybe not individual pieces he did, but be like, oh yeah, that guy, I've seen things in that style before and it's gory. But um, that's what the sets for the Dracula revival look like. They're, you know, there's like hand sketched like piles of skulls and stuff and like really 
um, intricately cross-hatched like stone walls and things that he's put up. It's a very gory piece through and through, sort of blown up to fit the stage instead of an art book. I haven't seen any video of it, but there are a lot of photos of it on Google. And the costume design won Goria Tony Award, um, which was pretty great. But not only that, and this is a transition to the episode, finally, the man who played Dracula for part of the production's run was none other than Raul Julia, who plays M. Bison Whoa. in Spooker. So this is kind of a twofer, because I've also been a bit obsessed with Raul Julia after watching this movie. <laughs> so some, yeah. some Raul Julia facts. He was a Shakespearean actor who, who like starred opposite Meryl Streep in the production of Taming of the Shrew. And he played Macbeth. And he was, Drac- you know, the famous Shakespearean play Dracula. He was Dracula. Um, <laughs> he also starred in the Adams Family movies in the 90s as Gomez Adams. He's so good as Gomez. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Um, but I remember those movies from being a child of the 90s. Um, he was also a humanitarian who donated a lot of his time and money to various charities and food banks. And he helped out other up and coming Puerto Rican actors and directors by volunteering his time to be in their productions at like little to no pay just to, you know, give them a foot up in the in the world, you know. And he accepted the role of M. Bison because his kids were just really into Street Fighter and he wanted to do something fun for them, which I thought was great. Just that is great. You know, Normally, normally playing Macbeth, but <laughs> decided that he should do something fun for his kids. He, um, he might be the only person in the movie who knows what movie he's in. Uh, yeah, because anytime he's on screen, you're like, I'm in, I'm into what's happening. Yeah, he was Street my Fighter, favorite character. Yeah. Street Fighter was also his um his last movie because yeah. sadly he passed away before it was released. But yeah, he just had an incredible career that I knew nothing about. Um, as someone that was in his early 50s when he passed away. Well, so. not not to be an absolute downer on it, but he was incredibly sick during during filming. Um, and it, it was, you know, it was his last film, but also it was a very challenging production for him because uh, he was just wasting Aww. away during during production. Yeah, yeah, I had, I had read that. Yeah, but um, yeah, so Gory Dracula and Raul Julia. That's what I've been into this week. Two quick notes. One, I'm on eBay right now and am probably going to purchase a theater poster advertising for this show. It looks Ooh, incredible. It's so good. Yeah. There is a there is a non-zero chance that I will get a Gashley Crumb Tiny's tattoo on my body some point at some point in my lifetime. I love Edward Gorey. Yeah. I um I have a copy of Amphigory, which is like 15 of his books all kind of compressed into one volume that I was showing Hallie that contains Gashley Cum Tinies and Mm -hmm. a lot of his other books from like the late 50s and early 60s. Oh my God. A is for for Alice who fell down the stairs. (laughs) I'm looking at a picture. He is for Basil assaulted by bears. Yes, the best one. I'm looking at a picture of Raul Julia now, or Raul Julia now, uh, dressed as Dracula and with the gory backdrop behind him. And wow. Love it. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if they made a video recording of it. I, Fra- I would presume not. Franklin but... Jella was uh was uh, Dracula before uh Rahulia took the role, and Franklin Jello yeah. was in um I think he made a cameo in Super Mario. Oh really? Nope, nope, nope. I'm confusing him with Frank Welker. Never mind, carry on. <laughs> yeah, they're um yeah, I'm I'm just sort of I'm sort of crazy about 
the idea of this production because having seen him as M. Bison and being really blown away by his performance in that, um, you know, I, I I think he would make a fantastic Dracula. Just like, <laughs> and I can't think of anyone else that I'd rather see cast in it now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's been my obsession this week. A worthy one. So, uh, yes. Should we move to Street Fighter? I have I have a catching up David style intro written for each of these movies in case it's been a while since you've seen these listeners. Excellent. Yeah, let's should, do it. should we take a quick break first? Yes. Are we back? Yeah, we're back. All right, David, yeah. do you want to bring us? Do you want to bring us back in? Yes. All right. Welcome back to the Catching Up, David. Did you do your homework? Crossover podcast video game extravaganza. Um, there's an acronym for that, but <laughs> I've decided. I've decided that our crossover title is "Did you catch up, David?" That's pretty good. I love it. My idea was, David, did you do your homework? That works too. Also good. Both good. Also good. David, just catch up and do your homework. Yeah, yo, I like homework, David. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, first on the docket tonight, or we might just do them simultaneously, but Street Fighter is a 1994 American action film written and directed by Stephen E. D'Souza. It's based on the Capcom video game series of the same name, and it stars Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia, along with Byron Mann, Damien Chapa, Kylie Minogue, Ming-Na Wen, and Wes Studi. Kylie Minogue, who is Cammy, it should be noted, was in another movie we did for Catching Up David, Holy Motors. Oh. Didn't expect that crossover, <laughs> did you? in that. No. Kylie Minogue is the is the singer lady that has the musical number towards the end in the warehouse. Or not warehouse, it's like a abandoned shopping mall. But Kylie Minogue There's also parts of that movie I tried to forget. <laughs> yeah. She's also the highest selling Australian pop singer of all time. So there you go. Some Kylie Minogue facts. For Kylie. Yeah. In uh in Street Fighter and Holy Motors. Really, really excellent career trajectory. Um, Good for her. She was also in a Doctor Who Christmas special. There you go. Yeah. The uh, Street Fighter was popular with audiences, earning almost $165 million between home video and the box office off of its $35 million budget. However, it was a critical failure, with many disliking its campy tone and the reviewer from the New York Times calling it, quote, a dreary, overstuffed hodgepodge of poorly edited martial arts sequences and often unintelligible dialogue, end quote. <laughs> Where so it should be is noted the that, lie? Yeah, it should be noted that even many of the critics did like Raul Julia, who received a posthumous nomination for Best Supporting Actor at the Saturn Awards for his performance. 
you hmm. you started to say best supporting actor, and I was like, I was- <laughs> there's literally no universe in which this movie got any Oscar nomination. <laughs> I, I had the same thought. <laughs> It was like he he did what now? Oh, the Saturns. Okay, Saturn Awards. Yeah, yeah. Yes. In uh, in case it's been a while since you've seen it, Street Fighter follows the story of General M. Bison, megalomaniacal drug lord and ruler of the Southeast Asian nation of Shadowloo, who has captured relief workers from the Allied nations and is now demanding a twenty billion dollar ransom for their safe return. However, Allied leader Colonel William Guile refuses to listen to the bureaucratic dorks to insist on negotiating, and his loyal troops follow him into battle against Bison's army. Meanwhile, gunrunner hustlers Ryu and Ken swindle Bison's arms dealer Sagat and join forces with the Allies to take the general down. Also, Chun-Li is there, with Balrog and E. Honda, who are all working as journalists, plotting against Sagat and Bison, who killed Chun-Li's father. A little bit of cage fighting, some tennis ball guns, and a bright green super soldier with orange hair, Street Fighter. Street Fighter, Street Fighter. I would like to contend there was a lie in that review. I can't see how anybody could call this movie dreary. Very true. Hey, That's so not fair. My, my criticism of it would be that it takes itself too seriously. I, I feel very strongly like this movie looked at the fact that the games have no plot and were like, we must solve this by putting four movies worth of plot in here. Yeah. I um, I certainly left the movie thinking, like, I don't care about any of the... Everyone had an arc, which was nice, but there were 800 arcs. So I'm like, I don't care about any of these arcs uh, because they all got 15 minutes worth each. And then we move on to the next character. Um, I don't agree with that <laughs> because Ming yeah, Na- wrong. Because Ming Na Wen <laughs> exists. I just I feel like it didn't have to try as hard as it did. Like if it had if it had simply structured the movie around some kind of fighting tournament, like Ken making Ken and Ryu con men gunrunners is admirable, but perhaps hubristic in its um <laughs> <laughs> what it's trying to do. Yeah, like it's it's not I didn't need all of that, I guess. Um, but like, but like, I feel like I feel like the fact that the movie takes itself so seriously is part of its charm for me. I don't know. It felt on purpose. It felt like a really earnest. We're gonna make this over the top, actiony, and like, I don't know. It, if you really wanted to earnestly adapt Street Fighter, you probably could have done a simpler plot that wasn't a whole bunch of plots all wrapped into one but i but i also like i don't know i felt a lot of love in this movie i felt like these were people who liked street fighter or who at least knew what to take from it so so full disclosure i had played street fighter for 30 minutes before i watched this movie (laughs) so it's not like i'm a huge street fighter fan and i can be like as a fan of the game this movie really spoke to me but like I laughed out loud when they put Ken and Ryu in like their outfits and were like, you look like real bison army people now. And the camera panned over and they were in like their original game fighting outfits. Like that was cute. That was fun. I really, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed how we built up to everybody being in their game outfits. And that just felt really fun. I really liked uh, when, who is it? Vega, Vega and Ryu were going to, fight at the 
underground fighting tournament and then the truck comes in and just like you don't get to see that fight until the end of the movie like i that was a really good joke to me and it felt like they were like yeah make it street fighter you don't get the street fights yet just be patient for it i was like yeah it's playing me i respect it i also just really like that colonel guile is trying so hard to do an american accent that whole movie is i find he... his voice very very charming <laughs> he's, he's it's like i love that accent it's completely uh, it's completely unplaceable and it's so so funny to me so i feel like but no he's not doing a very good american accent <laughs> it is it is like a little bit french i, I think he's well, belgian that's Italian, so it, but it, I just it would whatever make sense I that it's a little french because it is belgian i don't know i really liked it it felt like I was having a lot of fun during that movie, and I felt like it was because the people making it were having fun, and because they knew their villain was campy, and they knew their plot was campy, and they knew everything was just so extra. You you bring up a good point of, of having only played Street Fighter for like 30 minutes before this. How much like Street Fighter experience do we have in this group? Like, I played it on the SNES at friends' houses back in 1990-whatever, like Street Fighter 2, and I've played it at, like, barcades, you know? But that's... I, I also am not, like, deeply into Street Fighter. I've played, yeah, Street Fighter 2 and maybe Street Fighter 4. I've never I, played any Street Fighter. I didn't even know it existed before this, so... I have always <laughs> only my... ever... I have always only ever been a Soul Calibur girl. Okay, your fighting game is Soul Calibur. End of, end of list. I don't love them. They're... Yeah, I don't I don't care about fighting games. I have I've probably played my my experience is probably about the same as Pete's. Like Street Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and other games of that genre were not really allowed in my household cuz mm -hmm. I had a twin brother and the street fighting on the Nintendo very quickly would turn into <laughs> street fighting in the living room <laughs> as one or the other of us <laughs> uh went on a win streak but Un unplugged the um, other's controller and now we have problems <laughs> right yeah like i've but i i played enough that i remembered how to do ryu's fireball when i was playing hallie um, yeah we were playing before the and i was really mad when he remembered that because i was just pressing buttons yeah um, oh, the, the hadouken yeah the uh yeah the the hadouken quarter circle forward yeah high punch um that that was the one and only move that i could remember from you know however many years ago it was you, that i'd last played it you but, just saying that means that you are the number one street fighter expert on this uh, on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's true yeah so um yeah i was really most interested um talking with hallie about it afterwards and hearing what Kristen thought of street fighter because you know hallie and i played several there are so many different versions of street fighter 2 and like we played a good five or six of them before watching them yeah movie. we we just kept jumping it was like turbo hyper turbo you know super street fighter to the new challengers and like there's just so many of them and it's all the same game with like slightly better graphics sometimes right my understanding but, is that they have made eight thousand versions of street fighter 2 yeah it is i looking it up it is considered the best fighting game of all time 
And I don't know if that's just because it was the first that had really figured out like how to do combos or like the the inputs for special moves or like exactly what it is that makes it so beloved, but they really hit a sweet spot is my understanding. And um, they just, you know, every few years, there's a new version that comes out with, you know, maybe they'll add a new character here or they'll update the graphics or rebalance people so somebody isn't overpowered anymore. But like, um, in general, Street Fighter 2 is like the fighting game. Mm -hmm. But I having, oh. knowing that Kristen didn't know any of that, um, and had never played Street Fighter. I was really curious to hear what she thought of it. Waiting for there to be a single Street Fighter who would like walk up and they'd be like, this is Linda, but we call her Street Fighter. <laughs> I, was, I was just waiting for that moment the entire time. And they kept having main characters and I was like, all right, one of you is the Street Fighter and I'm going to figure out who. And... No, that's not what happened. It's not. It's not. I really trusted you to know. <laughs> Hallie was talking about the movie a little bit at work today. And she said that, you know, the, the core cast are all characters that you can play in the video game. And I don't know why that didn't occur to me. But yeah, I truly, <laughs> this entire time was just like, they aren't even fighting in the streets. There was a truck that tried to run them over, and that was it. And now they're in a secret lab. So I was confused because none of this plot sounded like it went with what you would expect, hearing only Street Fighter and knowing no other context behind it. But I did think that it... I, I like... Because the first half of it, I watched um, a little bit, and then I was really tired, so I had to stop, or else I would fall asleep. So I think being more awake to watch the second half actually worked in its benefit, because the first one, I was like, I'm too tired to put up with this nonsense. But I really enjoyed the second bit, like, as this secret layer is, like, being blown up by everyone fighting... You keep hearing the voice in the background being like, remember, it is your job to maintain your healthcare benefits. <laughs> that, <laughs> and, that was a good and line. This thing has been destroyed. Estimated repair time, 18 months. And I was really charmed by that. Probably out of the whole movie, just the little voice in the background that keeps updating us on the system and no one's asking for it. I loved the hostage pit. That was like my yes. favorite thing in the villain's lair. Just hostage pit the hostage opening. Pit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like there used to be hostage I... pits in things, and that doesn't happen anymore. No one ever has a hostage pit. Right? It was so super villain camp, but I was like, yes, this is classic. I I had a lot of fun in this movie. I'm a little bit upset when Martha was like, it, feel, it feels like they could have just done a tournament because then I was like, okay, well, I would have really liked to just see a tournament. Just so, show me, like, like I want that more now. But the thing is that I had a lot of fun watching whatever happened in this movie. Oh, yeah. Well, and watching this movie is a good time. See, this is how I feel about Street Fighter, and it is similar to how I feel about another movie we were about to talk about. This movie felt to me like somebody had a script and they skinned it as Street Fighter. Like, 
there are there are little nods and things to like the the video okay. game costuming and everything but at the end of the day this didn't need to be a street fighter movie it could have just been a movie about a crazy dictator and like the plot to overthrow him no this was like three and, scripts that they smushed together because well, like but, there were so many yeah, main it, characters and that only comes about because we have to get all the street fighters in well and i was in the movie so the the second half of my thesis is that then it it feels like the campiness which i did enjoy gets bogged down in trying to hang all of these references on it that i don't think the script needs in order to be a functional fun kind of 90s campy action movie um okay if that's i was a good point if i was going to make a street fighter movie i it would not have been this it would not have been about a the, UN the problem... knockoff dealing with like a quote-unquote self-declared general which rude he's a general uh self-declared or not like whatever uh wanting to create a perfect world with skull buildings uh, so many skulls i got a real are we the baddies no. vibe from uh from all his aesthetics the the bison blocks like yes. after i kidnap the queen they'll be worth five times the british pound like <laughs> that this, line killed me this movie was weirdly like anglo-centric rather than american-centric like it's all like right. like he's he's attaching his bison bucks to the British pound in 1994. Weird move. I Weird guess, flex, I, but okay. Right, like I guess you have this whole kidnap the queen idea, which like, <laughs> all right, you know what? You've thought through your plan, like okay, but still weird. The wheels are in motion, right? American because what a bit of american military propaganda especially as he like punches some guy and you see like the flag tattoo on his bicep i mean yeah but, like but once again it's... rather than gross but i still was like wow they are they are leaning in hard to it but the problem is once again it is jean-claude van damme who is saying the words <laughs> of of all american guy you're bleeding heavily you're bleeding i know i was going arnold i was going hard arnold on He's that a... one Van Damme's hard to do. I yeah, so this man. So Hallie, I I enjoyed a lot of the things that you talked about. I'm very into campy action fighting things. I just think it could have released some of the weight off its shoulders if it had not felt beholden to also cram all of the Street Fighter references in there. I guess the problem is that I'm mad that you're right, and I want <laughs> to see your like i would like to see a martha street fighter movie because now i do just want give me give me a fighting tournament with some of the characters when, that's all when i want you make your but also fighter with the movie i i was just gonna say when you make your street fighter movie please include linda the street fighter who never showed up absolutely <laughs> she will be the secret unlockable character thank you <laughs> I am desperate to get to our next movie. <laughs> hey, David, what did you yes, think of Street Fighter? Oh, yes, David, what did you think of Street Fighter? <laughs> well, as, as the Street Fighter expert on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this was my first time seeing Street Fighter as well. I have seen our next movie um, as a child in the theaters. But I don't know. This felt like everything that you could possibly want out of an action movie. Like, it's goofy and it's endearing and the characters are fun. And like... 
the way the movie incorporated characters from the video game into the plot was kind of charming, especially since the game itself is just about fighting and has no real in-depth plot other than Bison wanting world domination and, like, you're supposed to, like, fight each other to gain the right to fight him in unarmed combat, which is sort of what happens in the movie at the very end, like, Guile and Bison square off. Some of the one-liners are even pretty good. I don't know. Like, they give the characters some of their signature moves from the video game. Gal does his flip kick thing on Bison. Bison flies through the air. Chun-Li kicks people a bunch. Like, I don't know. It's... Well, when, when you I... were talking about the Hadouken, I was like, oh man, if in this movie, like, Ryu had done a thing and tried to fireball out of his hand, I would have lost my mind in the best possible <laughs> way. <laughs> he and he and Ken do the do the hand motion and like knock some people back. Yeah, but, but like there's not an actual out, fireball. Oh, there's right. not an actual fireball, unfortunately. I, yeah. I do have to I say know. I loved Zangief in this. His line at the end of like yes! you were getting paid was very uh chef's kiss. Yeah. Oh, he was I, great. I somehow oh, go ahead. Oh, my, my one criticism that I had while watching it with Hallie was that at some point there's just like a five minute sequence where everyone is just shooting each other with machine guns. And I was like, this could have been cut for more street fighting. Yes, correct. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, absolutely. You know, Ehonda and Sanki are fighting in the background and like there's other people that could be fighting. But like, yeah, less guns, more street fighting. That's what I wanted. Yeah, I never want anyone to pull out a gun in a martial arts movie unless it is immediately kicked out of their hand. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Or or if it's to show that the uh, main character or whomever can dodge a bullet. And then immediately kicks yes. the gun out of the guy's hand. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that I was so particularly charmed by Zangief because even though we had played the game, I somehow either forgot or just never registered like oh Zandif is from Street Fighter because I was like hey it's the guy from Wreck-It Ralph from oh, oh, is watching oh, who's in oh, the like villain support head, group like sparrow egg between like, thighs yes <laughs> exactly and I was like hey it's that guy well they really did just take him straight from Street Fighter and Wreck-It Ralph but like the guy who was playing Zandif if he just like was really channeling was really channeling him you know and I was just so happy for that vibe it made me it made me pleased to see the Wreck-It Ralph boy in the original <laughs> context <Yes>. kind of <laughs> agree 100 percent well should we segue should we... on to the next movie oh please yes, yes. so i'm excited movie... to know what the next movie is <laughs> our next movie is going to be super mario brothers it's a 1993 American adventure comedy film. Let's call it loosely based on Nintendo's <laughs> Mario Brothers video game franchise. Yeah. It stars Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, Samantha Mathis, and Dennis Hopper. The film was a failure, with both audiences <laughs> and critics grossing only $39 million off of its $48 million budget. Critics found it confusing and unfaithful to the video games for some reason though they generally appreciated the performances and the special effects. And Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Mario, said he felt the movie, quote, tried too hard to replicate the games instead of being a good film, which is funny because it doesn't seem to succeed at either of those things. I was going to say, Shigeru, <laughs> did we watch the same movie? 
<laughs> However, the movie has since become a cult classic because cults will spring up around literally anything. <laughs> In case it's been a while since you've seen it, Super Mario Brothers is the tale of Mario Mario and his brother Luigi Mario, two down-on-their-luck plumbers living in Brooklyn. Every time they think a job, a job comes along, they get beaten to the punch by the shady Scapelli's construction company, who is currently also harassing some paleontologist students from the university digging under the Brooklyn Bridge for dinosaur bones. Luigi <laughs> falls for the head student, Daisy, and the two go underground to see the dig site together. Meanwhile, humanoid dinosaur people from a parallel dimension have been kidnapping girls from all around Brooklyn, looking for a princess who wears a shard of a meteorite that hit New York millions of years ago, splitting the universe in two. They capture Daisy and drag her to their dino dimension, ruled by the evil dictator King Koopa, and the Mar Mario brothers follow in hot pursuit. A de-evolution gun, a fungus king, and a mattress full of women sliding down a frozen pipeline. Super Mario Brothers! It sounds like note. you're describing a fever dream. <laughs> well, <laughs> I should I... note that the, the mattress scene is the one thing of the movie that I remembered from being a child. And I didn't remember that it was a pile of women and Mario <laughs> just, <laughs> just sliding down this frozen thing. So the first thing I would like to point out is that Mario's name being Mario Mario is true to the video game canon. <laughs> oh, it is. That's, that's insane. That's just... That's but just also, about the only, yes. the only thing in the movie that's true to the video game canon. Yeah. Yes. Also, at some point, I texted Pete while we were both watching this movie and just said, "This movie is hell." So, so I I could not get an a a copy of this movie because this movie is currently impossible to watch. So I found on the Internet Archive some people made a extended edition version of this movie, which is two full no. hours long. No. With, um, like it's it, it's a recut re-edit with a bunch of like footage that they filmed but then never actually like released. So you you knew when you clicked into that because you had the production code numbers popping up at the bottom of the screen and like the quality just cut out. At some point during that mattress ride, uh it just cut to 2 seconds of blue screen mattressing. Yeah. Um which was great, but uh yeah, for my sins I watched 2 hours of this and not a tight 90 minutes of it. <laughs> and God. It did not need to be two so hours sorry. long. It did not need to be ninety minutes long. It did I not was going to say it was already. <laughs> yeah, it was already pushing it. Uh, yes, uh, 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 Mar Martha was texting me about the B movie. Right, Martha was texting me about like what they might have added. I'm like, well, there was a long argument at the beginning where where Mario shows up to fix the dishwasher, but the Scapellis have already shown up, and there's a you know five minute long discussion about that necessary plot development. Correct. <laughs> at the very least, Mario and Luigi got to be plumbers in this, and I kind of appreciated that at the end, like their plumbing expertise mattered in a a little bit. Like they did some. No, I'm gonna pull back on that entirely. They did something where they like turned off the heat and made the the Koopa Palace all cold, but then that appeared to have no impact in the rest of the movie. Well, it froze the pipe, and then they oh, and then they the mattressed down the pipe. Yeah, that's how the pipe froze. Yeah, okay, I'm pretty sure okay. that was all right. So, like, yeah, their plumbing their plumbing know how came in kind of handy. Yeah, I think they did. were just plumbers. That was that was funny. That was fun. 
I did appreciate how many problems in the movie were like coincidentally plumbing related. Yeah, like the portal between the dimensions only gets open because of Scapelli's men blasting a hole in the cave under the city. Uh And then they they go down there to fix the flooding of the dig site. And that's how they discover the whole, I guess we'll call it the plot of the movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) 30 minutes in. (laughs) Yeah, but them being plumbers is not just window dressing. For some reason, like the movie really leads into them, like knowing their way around pipes. I I think I would have been super into this movie if it wasn't called the Mario Super Mario Brothers. I think I would have been into this if this if it was like random dystopia, maybe multiple dimensions, but maybe we just stick in Dinotopia, Dino Hatton, because um, like the the set design was really cool. This movie, much like my thesis on Street Fighter, felt like somebody else's script that they hung hung a Mario Brothers skin upon. Did, did you That's do correct? I I can tell you something about this script. Um, Please do. So first off, there were approximately eight hundred people involved in the development of this script. Um, but when they finally got the directors on board, and they got Hoskins and Leguizamo and and Dennis Hopper all on board. Um, and they're all set to film. Disney picked up the, the distribution rights uh, via, I think this is Touchstone. Um, no, uh, Buena Vista, which is owned by Disney. Um, but Disney picked up the distribution rights and demanded like a bunch of rewrites because the script was too adult, which fair. There's a lot of breasts in this movie based on a video <laughs> game for children. Um, and so like they... You know, everyone shows up on set on day one, and the script they're handed is not the script they agreed to. Uh, and that includes the directors, who then had to sort of, like, play it cool and be like, nah, this is cool, we'll make it all work out. And so it was, um, as you can tell, there were a lot of people pulling in all sorts of different directions. The directors were like, we have to do this script, but we don't want to, so we're going to do as much as we can to make it our own. Um, Bob Hoskins has very bad things to say about the directors. Uh, oh, just about like they were not good and very egotistical. Um, uh, and yeah, like the, the production of this was a mess. It went incredibly over budget and over uh, schedule. Uh, and yeah, everything about this was a nightmare. I think I something say- funny. Oh, sorry. Go go ahead. All I was going to say is Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, A+. No complaints. Yeah. About... I agree. I think... Chef's kiss. Yeah. One of the best slash saddest parts of the movie is that Bob Hoskins is doing a really good job as Mario. I really yes. enjoyed watching him be Mario. I was like, God, if only you were in a different Mario movie as Mario. I truly this... think that all of the performances in this movie are... Clearly people who are doing the absolute best that they can with the material that they have to work with. Dennis Hopper had no idea what was going on around him, but he's Dennis Hopper, so it's fine. And he still is, like, bringing his, like, blue velvet energy to it. So, like, yeah, good job. Sorry that I interrupted you, David. Oh, no, that's okay. I was just going to note that the first screenplay was written by the Oscar the Oscar-winning screenwriter Barry Morrow, who wrote Rain Man. Yes. And that the two of them were going to go on, like, an odyssey or a quest, like, in the game itself. And it was going to be 
the Wikipedia describes it as an existential road trip and that the script was going to be more of a serious drama piece as opposed to a fun comedy. And then um, it, it goes on to say it was so similar. Piece? It was so similar to Rain Man that production titled the script Drain Man. Yes. <laughs> so somewhere somewhere in between that script and what we got, I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, cocaine happened. And uh, here yes. we are. Like, I don't like I have. Mm, I have I have a far deeper connection to Mario than I do to Street Fighter. Um, I'm not good at Mario games because I'm not good at platformers. But I did play Mario Party, Mario Kart, and all the party games with, yes. you know, like, my sisters and my friends, as many people did. And I don't know, it's a charming cast of characters. It's a very charming IP. So I was <laughs> like, oh, this live-action Mario movie. And, like, I was prepared for it to be bad because I had heard other friends talk about it. But... I remember the fury when I realized that on the opening menu of the DVD, they played the Super Mario theme song for, for when you pressed play. And then that didn't play at all during the movie. And I was like, I know that I'm being an entitled nerd here, but where's where's the Mario theme song? Where is it? Where is anything to do with Mario? I know they were trying. They had some names for Mario, but I just didn't understand how anybody could look at anything from Mario. The party games the platformer games, like anything, and then come up with whatever that was. At least Street Fighter, while it could be better, I could see how the steps could lead to, like, dictator, fight, take over the world, we're gonna make it serious by involving the UN somehow. Like, I could at least see how we escalated to what Street Fighter became. I can't find the steps for Mario, and it really bothers me that I can't find the steps for Mario. Hallie, are yeah. you telling me that when you think Mario, you're not thinking a Brooklyn plumber who's fighting some dinosaurs out I mean, in like, like I Dino mean, yeah, Hat? Is that like that concept could work? Like dinosaurs throw it in, but Yoshi was a realistic raptor that got stabbed, and I was like, this is what Yoshi's supposed to do, and like he did the tongue thing, but I was like, no, you ride Yoshi's. I want to see them ride a Yoshi, please. Yes, let them ride a Yoshi. And let him do an egg thing like that would be fun these don't have to be realistic quote-unquote dinosaurs and like and like even the dinosaurs who were complaining that they hadn't evolved to humans looked like humans yeah so i so i was like i make him bowser he's not even really king koopa slash bowser when he's doing stuff but it was just i was like ah like I, at least street fighter i sensed they were having fun and they were like, yeah, this is the outfit they wear. We're going to drop, we're going to name drop this character. In this one, I couldn't sense any of that. I, I think the problem is that production, like early on, was like Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. These are like dark, gritty, urban New York City slash Gotham City, but whatever, uh, uh, movies. And that's what we want our Mario Brothers movie to be. <laughs> Like so, Batman's been ruining things forever. Is yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> well, God, I don't know. I don't know. It's like you look at Mario. It's bright. It's sunny. It's fun. So obviously, the production is like we want it to look like Gotham City. Like it's it's even even the bad world where Bowser took over is still like fun. Like even Bowser's castle on Mario Kart is like it's full of fire and it's like a really extra castle and it's not just like this dark gloomy place. Everything is like extra and fun in Mario world. And I get that if you're doing this live action, you are limited to some extent to what to what you can do, but like I just I just 
why were why were things the way they were? Like the Goombas. The fun about Goombas is you can jump on their little bodies. And these Goombas <laughs> were like seven feet tall. And I was like, like why? Why that, are these the Goombas you adapted? That is a good point I had not thought of. That in the video game, Goombas are enormous heads and like tiny little bodies. And in this, they are enormous bodies and tiny little heads. Like that's like like fine if you want to switch things up because it's better for the movie, but it's but it's not better for the movie because because what are these? And then like like I get that it's like Princess Daisy slash Peach of the Toadstool Kingdom, but like is the is that what the fungus was? Did we decide the king just turned into fungus because it's the Toadstool got, Kingdom? Yeah, originally? he got he got de evolved because like he was some evolved fungus who looked exactly but like a human he's and then got de evolved. Person. Yeah. And then, like, from, I, I just want to know why they're like the, the this fungus evolved into a human, this lizard evolved into a human, this monkey evolved into a human. Like, why is everyone evolving into a human? Listen, and we only got was... so much money to play around with here. <laughs> Either we're gonna get a bow a Koopa Bowser at the end, or we're gonna have everyone evolve into humans. All right. I... I, they also had like the de-evolver that could also evolve people like they clearly showed both of those options so when they first showed it i was like oh okay well toad who plays the harmonica apparently is going to be de-evolved but then they'll evolve him back at the end of the movie and we never saw that happen nah. oh you're Nothing. right yeah they really hung toad out to dry poor toad they really did like poor toad and like i don't know i was just i was just this is, again, perhaps me being too personally into what a Mario adaptation should be. But, like, Toad didn't scream nearly as much as Toad needs to scream. <laughs> like, this is Toad! He's, he talks like this! And, like, what? He was, like, this edgy street musician who was also just a human. Like, come on. Please. So I'm the only here. The only other comment I have about this movie is that it came out in 1993, which is the same year as the animated dinosaur classic We're Back, yes. which also has a plot that hinges on a de-evolution system. But that's a scary de-evolution system. Oh yeah, no, I would argue that it is a better usage of the okay, de-evolution good. item. I just, I had a thought that I was like, I wonder in what order these movies came out. And it turns out they both came out in 93. Wow, 93 was just a year. 93 was... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Somebody smarter than me has probably written an academic paper on like what was up with the 90s and things evolving or there being mute, like ooze mutagens with the Ninja Turtles and like... There's a whole lot of that going on on the screen in in that time period, and I don't I don't know enough about it and what else was going on in the world because again I was like seven or eight at that point in time, but like something was definitely going on in the zeitgeist that made things turning into other weirder, more or less evolved things uh, something that people were really into. Well, and, and and here's the real wild thing. Literally two weeks later, Jurassic Park came out uh, to wide oh release. So, <laughs> so it was truly oh. the time of the dinosaurs. Truly God, the time that dinosaurs yeah. ruled it, the cinema. Was it <laughs> before time around this around this uh, period too? Yeah, 
Yeah, Land Before Time was... 1988. Uh, yeah, 88. Like 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah. 88. Okay. My, my whole justification for why this movie was bad was that I wasn't alive yet. And so <laughs> if I wasn't around, it couldn't be good. Um, I'll, I'll just say that the production designer also worked on... Uh, he was the production designer for Blade Runner. And you see, like, Dinotopia has real, like... It's that grungy neo dystopia yeah yeah like this dino hat and has more punks with weird gloves and fungus all over the place but like you can you can get the vibes i know what i didn't like blade runner either so i was gonna say i love blade runner and i love its production design and i don't need it near my mario (laughs) like it's get out of here I don't Uh, love blade runner i think we should talk about the only movie that understood the assignment Yes, we should. We should talk about the only movie that understood the yes. assignment. Did so you want to th- introduce that, Mario? Sure. So, um, everyone, harken back to 1998. Martha was 11. She had been playing a brand new game on her Game Boy. The reason that she owned a Game Boy, where you got to walk around a world and catch small monsters and make friends with them. And then that summer, I believe, the animated movie, Pokemon the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, (laughs) is released in the theater. 11-year-old Martha and her little sister go to see this movie in the theaters. It is one of the most exciting days of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear you tearing up, but I respect it so much. Um, Pokemon has been a cornerstone of my life for over 20 years now. Uh, and Pokemon, the first movie, uh, is about Ash and Misty and Brock, who at this point had been helming the animated show for at least two seasons, possibly more. Um, and, you know, dogged by Team Rocket, uh, on Ash's quest to become the greatest Pokemon trainer in the world. Pokemon, the first movie, opens with the scientists of Team Rocket conducting experiments on Mewtwo, who is the most, who is a clone of the most powerful Pokemon in the world, Mew. Uh, he is alive for approximately three minutes before he messes all of their whole deal up, uh, blows up their island, and decides that he's going to take over the world through the power of battling Pokemon? Question mark. That part's a little unclear. Uh, but what he then departs on is inviting powerful trainers to come to his battle island where he can steal their Pokemon uh, to clone in his effort to uh, master the humans of the world and assume his rightful place. Um, we For learn the power M. of bison uh, type of move. I was going to yeah. say, <laughs> as I am talking about this movie, I'm like, is this also Street Fighter? <laughs> He's got his Mewtwo books, you know, he's got Mewtwoopolis all planned out. Um, confronted with clones of themselves, the Pokemon must uh, overcome their own strengths and weaknesses uh, and eventually... Um, through the power of friendship, show Mewtwo that he can have a destiny that is different from being the weapon that he was created to be. Um, speaking yes. of speaking of strengths and weaknesses, 
I was yelling at this movie early on, uh, wherein Pikachu fights, like, some random trainer comes up and fights Ash, and it's, like, you know, your intro credit sequence. Here's how, it's like, a great, great sequence. You just want to watch the Pokemon sequence. fight. It's fun. Uh, at, yeah. At the end, uh, random trainer throws out three Pokemon, one of whom is Golem, a ground rock type, immune to electricity. Yeah. Uh, no, see, and- it, here's the thing. Here's the thing that you have to remember is that within the world of the show, Pikachu always wins. Yes, I know. He beat he correct. beat Onyx with the the power of strength and love or whatever. Um No, but, he beat he beat Onyx with the power of overcharged cheek electronic discharge. Yeah, thing. I know. Onyx yeah. is still rock it ground was, immune to electricity. Well, it's not immune. It's just it's just it's just not super what, effective. One of those two types like, is sort of can, immune, isn't like, it? Not immune. You can you can chip away rock Pokémon with electric electric attacks. Uh, ground type is immune to electricity, but not rock type. You just have to try really, really hard to 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 knock it down. But it's sure. not immune. I, it, long story short, I'm, I was I was yelling at the movie, and my wife, who was paying almost no attention to it, was like, "I'm very proud of you." <laughs> like, good good job. You you tell them. <laughs> you tell that movie, but you were wrong because it's not immune. No, because I think Golem is ground and rock both. Golem. I think I think electricity has no effect on Golem, regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I also, was shouting. It a lot. doesn't matter because within the context of the show, Pikachu always wins. Right. Right. Pikachu always wins. Yes. Um. So I. This is not the Pokemon movie that I own, but it is one that I have seen many, many times. Um. It is essentially an extended episode of the TV show, which I am neither mad about. Um. Well, which I am not mad about. Um, and I also think that at, an, at, a, at a cool hour and 15 minutes, it is exactly as long as it needs to be. It gets in, it gets Absolutely. out. The running time we was my favorite part about this movie. <laughs> Short movies are the greatest. Yes. We, yes. We've talked about 90 minute film is the peak of what you want. Minute, hour and four, 15 minutes, perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I thought that this movie hit it hits all of the important it hits all of the main themes of the show, but it also hits all and in doing so it also hits all of the main themes of the game because the show has always been a pretty faithful interpretation of the game. I would say that it does the best job of spinning story out of not a whole lot of material, because much like Street Fighter. Pokemon is a game about a series of battles that you engage in. Um, and I, I think the show has always done a really good job of finding kind of the heart of that. Oh, yeah. It's Pikachu always winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the show made up Jesse and James. I'm pretty who are, sure. Who are perfect. The show did not make perfect. up. The show did not make up Team Rocket, and it did not make up Giovanni, right. who is the leader of Team Rocket. Right. But it did make up um, Jesse and James, although they do become a factor in Pokemon Yellow, which is the one that you play where Pikachu is your starting Pokemon and yeah, he follows and you around outside of the... Around. That's, a, yes. that's the one that they made based on the anime, basically. It's, I mean, it's, it's red and blue plus elements from the anime. Right, plus Pikachu and Jesse and James. Yes. Yes, essentially. But so, yeah. David, this is your third Pokemon product. 
that you have viewed for this show? This is the first and the third. We did a whole episode on Pokemon, the first movie. Oh. Um, I thought you watched the, like, weird CGI reboot version. Oh, we watched both. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Would that be Pokemon colon Mewtwo Strikes Back hyphen evolution? Yes. Okay. That that's it. Yeah. It, that would be that one. Yes, I've I've seen I've seen both of those, which are basically the same thing. Um but it felt right to talk about this in relationship to the other video game movies that we were talking about. Um just because like who these movies are for seemed like a really important question and like knowing your audience (laughs) um those those kinds of things um and i think i mean you're definitely right martha this is the one that did its homework and uh sort of knows what it's about like i'm not really sure after watching street fighter and especially the super mario brothers like who it is they were hoping would go and see it like when Super Mario Brothers case, I, I guess it was like literally anybody, please come see this movie. <laughs> yeah, Su- Super Mario Brothers, like, weird. listen, we're a family action entertainment movie, but also we're going to be weirdly sexual and also super into mob stuff. And I don't know. Street Fighter at least yeah. feels like it, it was like an action movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like that, that would appeal to Street Fighter fans. <laughs> well, I wonder if the big difference is that Pokemon knew it didn't have to attract anybody who was not already familiar with Pokemon. That's true. Like, this movie does not care what you're familiar... Or not that it doesn't care. This movie expects you to know what it's all about when you walk in. And I think that that was a... I think that was a good choice. Because if I'm making a movie based on a video game... I want the fans of that video. Like I want them to be my, they're my audience. Mm-hmm. And right. And I, I think the Pokemon movie was just like, look, you either know what this deal is or you don't. Well, and I, <laughs> I, I think this movie was helped by, it's not just a movie. It is a movie of an anime, which already exists, which is based mm-hmm. on a video game. So it's like our audience is fans of this anime who are also fans of the game. And so, like, we don't have to create a whole new world a la Street Fighter of, like, what's the game about? I don't know. They fight. Okay, well, we need more than that for a 90-minute movie. Um, In this, it's like, yeah, we just make a double-length episode. We'll have it be Mewtwo, because that's fun and exciting and, like, the big power move. And, yeah, it's the anime. Done and done. It was was fun knowing that this movie expects you to know about Pokemon. Uh... And then telling David nothing about Pokemon before he watched it. Because, like, I can't imagine a point in my life when I didn't know things about Pokemon. Yeah. So I just, I had no frame of reference. Like, like David, tell me how it is going into this with it not holding your hand and just being like, this is the world. This is Pokemon. Because it's it's so ingrained in my subconscious that... Like, of course, mm-hmm. I know about Pokemon, which is and it's also a good choice. I also feel like exposition is really easy if you just don't hold the audience's hand because you'll pick up context clues and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, it just it just ironically, the one that doesn't really hold your hand for like plot is the children's movie. The one that was explicitly for a younger age group. David, yeah, have you I... seen um, Detective Pikachu? 
Yeah. We did a whole okay. episode on it. We did an episode. Oh, okay. That was, that was well. our crossover episode. Great. Yes. So I had never seen anything Pokemon related or played any of the video games or played the card game or anything before the first time that I watched um, Pokemon, the first movie. So I was really kind of thrown into the deep end of Pokemon lore. And I don't know that I had the easiest time following it the first time I saw it. Uh, like I didn't know Brock yeah. existed at all. Like, yeah, like, I, I, like knew, I knew Ash. I had seen Misty before. I didn't know what her deal was. But like Brock, I had no conception of whatsoever. And, and didn't you ask who Team Rocket was? And it had never occurred to me, even knowing like, oh, David's about to have his world rocked. He knows nothing about Pokemon. It had never occurred to me you didn't know Jesse and James. Right. Like, that yeah, was, I didn't, I didn't know who Meowth. they were. Right? I had no, no idea who Meowth was. You I were was like, who like, is this Team Rocket? I was like, what do you mean who's Team? They're Team Rocket. They're the most important people in the universe. They're blasting off again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I remember seeing like at one point the narrator mentions like ash has left home to become a pokemon trainer and i was like what he's just homeless he's a runaway <laughs> like what no, are, he's what transient about this <laughs> yeah like he was, i thing. thought he was just out catching stuff after school you know like <laughs> nope yeah. at, at the age of 10 at the age of 10 the world kicks you out <laughs> to be to Fight wild animals, and <laughs> yeah. Hope, hope you guys it was better more, than a rattata. A lot more intense than I had imagined. <laughs> yes, it is very important to understanding Pokemon to remember that people are ten years old when they leave home to engage in this world. I remember turning ten and telling my mom, "I can legally be a Pokemon trainer now." Correct. <laughs> Your mom was like, "Like that's great." <laughs> that's exactly what she said. She was like, "Cool." You can now, you can now walk Pikachu the dog. Toy that you want. <laughs> yeah, no, please stop talking about it. Yes. Um, but it does make me wonder if, um, if the Super Mario Brothers movie had leaned into the idea of, like, Mario is a pretty... I, I feel like Mario at that point was a pretty ubiquitous property. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And even if it wasn't, even if the only people that had gone to see it were Mario fans and like their loved ones, I feel like it still could have done a pretty good job. If it had actually been about like Mario stuff and not like yeah, like weird if it had, if it had trusted, yeah. if it had trusted in the property the same way that the Pokemon movie trusts in the property, like yeah. this will this will make money because people understand what it's all about, like. I, I I understand maybe obviously some things are going to have to change in the adaptation from one medium to another, but it just feels like why bother adapting the movie in the first place if what you're going to get out of it is something you're trying to make okay for other people? Like, that's not why you went to that property in the first place. You went mm -hmm. to it because it was popular in another medium and you're seeing if you can make it popular for that same demographic. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. In another meeting. Generally, so that's why the Mario movie bothers me so much. That's just like adaptations in general, though. Like, if there's a really popular book series and then they make a movie out of it, I feel like they try to put their own special spin on it and be like, but we're going to do this like a little bit differently, which I guess sometimes can work. But something became so popular and beloved for a reason that, like, 
this isn't even a like if it ain't broke don't fix it this is you have something that is already making bank if you're like a studio executive and that is your end goal don't touch it like just just lean into the full mario-ness of it and don't try to be like okay well we're actually gonna try to do like a gritty blade runner underworld and the dinosaurs are real and all these i don't know just just have fun with it but like stay true to the actual content of it doesn't make any sense to me or at the very least like know your audience like if you're gonna do a super mario brothers movie that's pitched as like a family-friendly action comedy don't have like i don't know like the snm club sequence you know like was this movie pitched as a family-friendly comedy though like i feel like that was part of its problem is that it should have been the stu i think this i think it was because this gets into the question of who are these movies for pokemon knows exactly who it's for so i don't i think i think i don't think i don't think super mario brothers knows who it's for the thing is i don't i don't think this was necessarily initially pitched to like producers as a family-friendly action adventure comedy but by the time Disney got the distribution rights and rewrote the script, that's what they were. That's what they wanted out of it. So then you had like a production team and a director uh, team. Uh, it was a husband and wife director team and some actors who were like thinking it would be one thing. And then a script and the, you know, distribution overlord saying it would be something else. And so then you had, you know, the directors getting locked out of the editing bay for various lengths of time and fun things like that. <laughs> Did everybody enjoy how very directly Detective Pikachu borrows from the Mewtwo escape scene? Oh my god, it felt, yeah. it felt like it felt like an inside nod, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, we know who we know who's watching this. We know who's going to be screaming in the theater. It's you nerds. I, it's you millennial <laughs> nerds. Like, yeah, I, absolutely. I did love the Akira slash alien vibes of the both the Mewtwo escape sequence and the uh, uh, Pokemon clone uh, clones coming out of their tanks. Yeah, sequence. Like, yes, the clones are the clones are cool. Yeah, I always like their little stripes. I thought they were super cute, and I was like, why don't these regular Pokemon get to have stripes? That's not fair. <laughs> so I always thought the clones were cooler. But I also really like Mewtwo, so even though I knew he was, like, quote-unquote the bad guy, I still was like, I don't know, we should trust him. He's been through a lot. He's got some good ideas. This is also coming from, like, little Kristen, who really liked Darth Maul a lot, so I think if you just have stripes and are bad, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fan. Give Charizard a double-bladed lightsaber, you cowards. Pretty much, yeah. The visuals on the clone Pokemon are not that far off of the visuals on Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. They are not. And I don't, I'm, I'm a big Mewtwo fan, and so I enjoyed that he was in both Pokemon productions that we watched, and if he's not in it, I will still enjoy a Pokemon production, but less so. He's my favorite. I love Fair him. Fair enough. I remember liking the clones a lot because of the um, specifically the Pokeball chase scene where they, he had like the magic science Pokeballs that would catch the Pokemon so that yeah. he could make the clones. Like I remember rewinding just that scene because I really loved that. 
I guess you could call it an action sequence. It was still, I was still young enough that I was like playing in the backyard with friends, these complicated scenarios we were making up. And after that, one of them was like, run away from the Pokeballs. It was just a really good like imagination fodder scene because that scene still makes me tired when I watch it. Because Pikachu's running up the curvy thing and he's trying to shock the balls away. And every time it gets hard for him and he's panting and it just, it still gets me when I watch that scene. It's how meow. physically exhausting it all is. It Why stresses me out. me out. It's physically exhausting. There are no railings on no. that thing. <laughs> Anyone could fall and die at any second. An and like, doesn't nightmare. Ash slip and fall off at one point and then have to climb to climb yes. back up? Or maybe Pikachu falls and then Ash jumps off to catch him. Yeah. And yeah, that's what happened. Water at some point. So like, I... I guess it's fine, but they should have some railings. I did love that, like, three quarters of the way through that sequence, Ash is like, oh, I'll put my Pokemon in some Pokeballs and protect them. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what you should have done. I was thinking that. Oh, wait, that didn't work. The other nope. Pokeballs captured the other Pokeballs. Oh, no. Uh, yes, and then, because Mewtwo spits on your science. Yes, yes. But the, and then later, when when the, when those uh, the, the capture Pokeballs are spitting everyone out, they spat out the Pokeballs and then those spat out the Squirtle and the Bulbasaur. I thought that was very, very clever. A plus. Good, good work. Absolutely, A+. Plus. And then I really love, too, that, like, I don't, I, I think they must cross paths at some point. But Team Rocket and Ash and Co. are largely just separate for that. Team Rocket's just, like, finding the actual exposition for the movie and wandering around with this, like, heavy world-ending plot stuff in the back, despite not being equipped to deal with it at all. And yes. I love that for them i like i love that their role in this movie is like oh here's so the audience knows some background about what's going on while like ash has the adventure i simultaneously loved and hated that like at four points during this movie uh team rocket and co just shouted like who's that pokemon it's squirtle um that's a that's a funny <laughs> nod but more importantly one of them they got wrong and i want i i hope it, that was intentional uh who did they get wrong uh it was um scyther but they said it was alakazam um i mean there was an uh, there was no alakazam uh but there was a scyther i and it was like it was uh, scyther's outline they said like it's alakazam I'm like no that isn't wait huh do they know that or is this a joke or like what's going on here because i would fully <laughs> believe that jesse and james do not know that answer like <laughs> no. like that they messed up like they don't know what to do man they're jesse and james um i so that sense of exhaustion that you were talking about is how mm. I feel when Pikachu is being slapped by clone Pikachu. Oh God. Yes. And just yeah. the whole, that whole scene is just like, I can't, I'm so tired. I can't, yeah. like, I can't deal with this. It's just so exhausting. That is the exhausting. part that makes, yeah, that's the part that makes me cry. Um, is when Pikachu is getting slapped up by clone Pikachu. Like, that's the, the hardest part for me. It's, yeah. it's a lot. There, There is... I did mention this in the, in the full Pokemon first movie episode that we did, so you can check that out if you'd like. Um, but there is a lot of, like, really heavy emotional stuff in the movie. Um, I mean, like, Ash straight up dies. Ash dies, yeah. and then... <laughs> And he then turns Pikachu to stone. keeps like calm down, trying to shock him back to life, and it doesn't do anything. Uh, so he just keeps like trying harder and harder, and starts crying. 
Huh? And in the weird, in the weird 3D one, because I was like really curious to watch it, and I didn't, I didn't hate it. But in that one, Pikachu like makes this strangled screaming sound, and it's really upsetting. It yeah. is, it is, yeah, upsetting in like a good way. Like I was impressed that they just went for it, and they gave him extra crying sounds that sounded both realistic and so sad in the right way. I have not watched the weird CGI one. I'm kind of afraid you of should. it. Just for the Pikachu scream. Okay. You should do it. And then tweet me about it. Okay. <laughs> All of your thoughts. I just have so many thoughts about Pokemon. Because <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon is great. It's a great IP. And the movies understand what makes the games great. Correct. Which is just, hey, look at these creatures. They're fun. Don't you want to battle with them? Don't you want to live with them? Yes. <laughs> don't you? Don't you want this world? And like, here's a world where you're ten, but you can go off living your own lives. I mean, the, which the, is what you want at ten. Getting your Pokemon healed for free. It is. It's exactly what you want at ten. Like, like I remember watching the Fairly Odd Parents, the musical special, and. At some point, Timmy says, like, trust no one over 10. And I was, like, 10 at the time. And I was like, that's exactly right, Timmy Turner. We do not trust anyone over 10. Oh, my God. And so it's just very, like, yeah. When you're 10, you want to be taken seriously. You want to go out into the world and become a Pokemon trainer. Yes. You want to go beat up adults and take down organized crime syndicates. I still want to do that. And steal the pocket money of very young children. Other hey, you know what? It's their fault for bringing three centipedes to the or uh, uh what's the the kakunas? Three kakunas uh, yeah. to this uh, Pokemon fight. You know, I'm sorry that your Pokemon can do no offensive moves. Three Weedles. <laughs> I love Pokemon so much. I know. God, I want to go watch the movie now. I'm gonna watch and Detective. Also- I'm going to watch Detective Pikachu again. I, I think Detective Pikachu is the best Pokemon movie because it captures the sense of living in this world of Pokemon, like, perfectly. Truly perfectly. So you're not wrong. However, counterpoint, Pokemon the movie 2000. Pokemon the, oh boy. <laughs> I, I have such low patience for the anime is the thing that, like, when you when we get away from that and we go into... Uh, baby's first uh, neo-noir, I'm like, yeah, give me more of this, please. I know. No, I just, I really love mostly the soundtrack in Pokemon the Movie 2000, like, slaps. And... I like the little flute, yeah. Yeah. The magic flute song for Lugia. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, there's, like, this one part where, I don't know, they're trying to explain what's happening to the earth because of Lugia's special effects or whatever and Professor drawing these like circles with like water earth and drawing like arrows between them and they're so bad and they're so silly and I love them so much yes that movie does make it that movie the context that it provides makes it truly ludicrous that there's a point in every single game where you get to catch one of those mythical godlike Pokemon (laughs) which is why I never did in games whenever it gave you the option to catch a legendary i was like no i want to do it with my pokemon yeah it was part of the like immersive story role-playing experience for me okay because i would never name myself hallie i would name myself whatever my favorite name at the time was yes um yeah because i was a pokemon trainer you know i was like ash but different 
And, you know, Ash doesn't get a legendary Pokemon. He gets Pikachu, who is legendary because of the bond of friendship. So I wanted my little Vulpix to also have the legendary power of the bond of friendship. And, like, it always bothered me that if you sent out a legendary Pokemon, the trainers you were fighting didn't react. Which I realized now as an adult, they just didn't want to code. But I'd be like, come on, youngster Joey. I just sent out Suicune. Uh I'm going to murder your five centipedes. This is a huge deal. Like, like it bothered me that nobody would understand what a big deal that was in universe in the game. And because the game didn't give me that, I just ignored that completely and didn't didn't want mm, mm. didn't want the mythical Pokemon. I I was always the Team Rocket player of I don't give any figs about the power of friendship. I am here to uh, chew bubblegum and win Pokemon battles, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Uh, so, uh, but you can do both. It, this well, today. like, like in gold, silver, like you get your friendship score up because you use all your Pokemon and you heal them up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use them and heal them up because that will make him the optimal fighter. And then like, Hey, that also makes him like me. Great. Eevee's going to evolve into psychic Eevee. I was going to say, I That's like true. that the game makes you care about how much your Pokemon love you. Yeah. But like, but the way they love you is by doing the things you would do anyway to make them effective combatants. Okay, it's I mean, true, and that's why I really later gen games, like yes. in I think it's Ruby and Sapphire, you can enter Pokemon in like cute competitions or like breeding things that have nothing to do with like battle power, so that the Pokemon that aren't necessarily good for the core of the game are good for some other little side quest. Yeah. And I just I think it's cute. I really like that. I'm really into that. Yes. I just I really like um as the games progress and you get to like play with them in an interactive space mm-hmm. on your DS, like that, the little mini games where you get to play with them and have them love you, it w- has been very important to me. Uh, Sword and Shield, in the only, game. the only Loved reason making the curry. I, I was very excited in Sword and Shield that I got XP for capturing as well as killing Pokemon. It means that I no longer kill yeah. every Pokemon I come across because, again, I'm only in it for the battling. So uh, That's been true for a couple of generations. I've been out of yeah, touch was... for a couple generations. The original, you didn't get any XP for catching, but I think they fixed that as early as uh, Gold, Silver, Crystal. I don't I don't, I don't know if it was so. that I was, early, I was but it was... in on Gold, Silver, Crystal. Okay, then it was, it was like one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Which was, I think okay. that I think that's correct because the grind in Ruby Sapphire was the worst. Like, mm. first, <laughs> they overcompensated. Yeah, for some reason that one had the worst, like the slowest, especially in the early levels. Like, gonna go fight six hundred Zubats now. Truly. Um. Oh man, I remember the very beginning of that game because that's when you're in the back of the moving truck because mm-hmm. you just moved towns. And I don't know why the mother, your mother putting you as a child in the back of a moving truck that clearly has seats up front just really left an impression with me. And not even a bad one. Not even a bad, like, these are bad parents. I was just like, this is a really fun family. I want to be a part of it. The opening trainer. I take who the challenges... wrong things from Pokemon. <laughs> the opening trainer who challenges Ash in this movie is the Ruby uh, version of Team Rocket, right? Like that's his costume. He's, got like, he's got like a bandana think... on his head, like a red bandana. Isn't that Team Magma though? Yeah. No. Yeah. 
magma had like hoodies with like little animal oh shoot maybe it was on like them. And Team Aqua, Team Aqua has the Team Aqua has the pirate bandanas, but they're in blue. Their color coding is blue. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was the problem. It's like I saw I saw the bandana. I'm like, oh, that's like one of the team, the bad teams from maybe Ruby Sapphire. Uh, but clearly, my colors were off. Yeah, uh, and I think I think the movie came out way before Ruby Sapphire. But maybe oh, totally. Yeah, I'm getting confused. It no, did. no, it totally because Lugia, the um, okay. Pokemon the movie 2000 came out around when gold and silver were released because lugia was the legendary right, for that one yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um right, i could right. truly talk about these games for a hot minute but i <laughs> feel like we haven't heard from david or Kristen in a while oh, no i'm sorry we we took over to talk about pokemon oh i had i don't have comments because again this is not a game that i played I thought maybe I once played Pokemon, and it's possible that I did, but I don't think I did. I played Pokemon Go when that came out, and that was about mm. it, but I watched the show when I was younger. But yes, um, for our theme of like video game movie adaptations, I am a bad person to contribute, because I played Frogger and Animaniacs Bowling, so yes. it's not exactly my forte. So I'm not sitting here being like, how dare they continue talking about this? I'm like, yes, knowledgeable people discuss. There so was I a... have a question for you. I have a question for you, Kristen, really quick. Yes. Um, as somebody who is not a super big video game person, was there one of these movies that you found to be more accessible than the others? Like, which was the one that you felt was the most enjoyable as just like a movie? Because Pokemon, I did watch the show. So when this came out, I absolutely was jazzed to see it. And I knew everything about it. Like Hallie said, I can't imagine a time when I didn't know about Pokemon. Like you just come from the womb knowing about Pokemon. (laughs) So that, but I do like, actually, like I said, Street Fighter kind of started out a little slow for me. But it does seem like a movie that, although this works against it in this case for you guys, that it doesn't necessarily seem Street Fighter-y enough. It didn't seem like I couldn't enjoy it because I didn't know Street Fighter. I was still able to have fun with the plot and the characters. You could walk in as a, like, it. this is a 90s action movie with yeah. too many characters. Carry on. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly how it was. And I was watching and I saw um, Kylie Minogue's uh, fun braids. And I was like, ooh, fun braids. And just her outfits and everything reminded me kind of of a video game in the sense that it looked like something you would see in the most recent live action Jumanji's or even in the Lara Croft movies. Speaking of Kylie Minogue's braids, Street Fighter technically passes the Bechdel test because there's a scene where Chun Li. Ah! Uh, does, comments yeah. at uh, at uh, her braids. <laughs> I didn't I was, like that I though gonna... because I'm like, why? Why can't? Why they're only talking for two seconds? The why only, are they the only fun scene... of each other and being mean? Yep, the only scene that two women talk to each other, they are talking about not men, but they are talking about how one doesn't like the others, like that they don't like each other's hair. <laughs> it was less fun. So, um, it it had a lot of characters going on. So I don't know if Street Fighter was my favorite. It's probably Pokemon for nostalgia's sake. Plus, there is just something about any sort of K 
kids special like show that has a longer version of it, a la Scooby Doo or something, where they have to go to an island for some reason and they are summoned there and there's like a storm and everything's difficult. I don't know. I don't know. But I really the like magic it. 90s animated plot. Yeah, I just checked out from the library uh, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island and yeah. I'm freaking stoked because it has been a hot minute since I've seen it. Masterpiece, that movie. I just, I don't know. Something about, oh no, our characters have to go to this island and weird things are happening is my jam. So, it's Pokemon. That's the winner. I'm into it. That was a long answer. I apologize. <laughs> don't apologize. Oh, These Martha, movies... I'm supposed to tell you. Yes. Because I was, when I was talking about uh, the, the movie with Hallie earlier at work, I was saying how, what's the main guy in Street Fighter? The not American, American military man? Guile. Yes. Guile. Guile. I was saying how he was rubbing me the wrong way because he was like just super macho in a way that was bad, whereas I prefer more of the gentle giants. And I always talk with Hallie about Dejue, whose name is apparently yes. pronounced Deju. And Deju. And Hallie was like, mention that because Martha knows that. So I'm supposed to let you know. Listen, yeah. I have about 300 hours in Fire Emblem Three Houses, and I love mm -hmm. all of those babies more than I would love a child of my own. Mm -hmm. um, yes, Dudu is pure and amazing, and no one in that game deserves him. He sounds <laughs> like the best from the very little I know. Hallie just had a thing where she was ranking the attractiveness of the characters with another one of her friends on Twitter, and I picked him right off the bat, and I've decided since that I am married to him. And so Correct. anytime he's mentioned, I'm like, yes, this is a good noodle. So even though this is a game I have not played, and I don't actually really know that character, I was seeing Guile and being like, I don't know, I just feel like he should be more like my homeboy Dejue, who I, I will continue to call Dejue. I agree with everything about that, except your um, mispronunciation of his name, which I will forgive because you have not played the games. I have played uh. his ga not played the games, <laughs> and I can call him whatever I want. We're in love. That's how it goes. <laughs> I, I also guess. thought his name was pronounced Dejuay before I started the game, but then I heard them say it, so I started pronouncing it correctly. Dedu. Dedu. Did you? Yes, he's he is he is the best of all of us. Oh yeah, man. Where's the Fire Emblem Three Houses movie? I like a monkey's paw kind of wish. I know, I know. I was gonna say <laughs> no, no. Fifty episode anime season. No. Oh, I want it so much. God, that's right. And yeah, a very long anime would be way better than uh than a single feature film like every every houses. fifth episode every fifth episode can be a battle sequence and then yeah. every other episode yeah. is just boarding school teen drama stuff absolutely Literal and then and then Martha. shoot it directly into my veins <laughs> That this this would be the last episode of Did You Do Your Homework if uh, this ever came out because Martha would be like, "Sorry, I'm busy for the next uh, until the end of time." Until the end of time, <laughs> correct. David, what did you think of all of our movies tonight? Yeah, um, 
I guess it's sort of hard to pick a favorite. Because they're all so good? You shut well, your mouth. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers is, like I tried to mention before, the weirdest movie we've watched since the B movie. It's just... <laughs> I love that you did the B movie. Side note. <laughs> it's just, it's so strange. And who even knows, like, who who knows how this came to be? And especially as something that was... I guess marketed as a children's movie. I was a child when I saw Super Mario Brothers. I thought it was a a children's movie. Um, Yeah, like nothing, nothing in that movie makes any emotional sense. Like, I keep coming back to this scene where Skipelli gets turned into a chimpanzee by the de-evolution gun, and everyone and there's a crowd sitting around. Everyone's just <laughs> laughing at him. Like that's not the response people should have. Yeah, if fleeing <laughs> in weird. terror is the correct response. Yeah, um, it just it hits so so poorly on so many different levels. Like Very again and again and Mario. again. I know very little about Mario, but, like, even the little that I knew, I was, like, but, but I don't, I don't think that's how that works. (laughs) I don't know, but I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the one, like, at least Street Fighter had, you know, it had some video game things in it. And it, it felt like they went out of their way to be, like... Here's some fun video game things for you, fans of the video game. You know, like people like, doing like the their, scene, their signature moves. Or and the like, scene where Raul Julia is literally playing a Street Fighter game as he's exploding some mines. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's like got a, a joystick and he's got the, the six button pad or whatever. Um things and like I that. Think, like Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think Hallie is correct in her assessment of like the Street Fighter movie has you get the sense that somebody making the Street Fighter movie had at some point played Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, even if it is not the most present element of that film, it does it does whiff of Street Fighter in a way that the Super Mario Brothers movie simply Just. does not. Yeah. Just does not. Nobody has ever heard of Mario who worked in the Super Mario Bros. movie. Yeah. Like Mario, who? like <laughs> Mario, Mario, um, Mario, Mario. But like, as far as fun video game things go, like there's the bob bomb. Like there's a little bomb, but the bob bomb is like fun. the only like thing that, that they it is. faithfully like, recreated. Yeah, that's like that's like it's it. Really Everything cute. else is just kind of weird and gross. And like the cutest Mario character gets stabbed in the neck. Yeah, that's rude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truly awful. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I think, I think I enjoyed Street Fighter the most, just because it it kind of knows it's cheesy and it's just really earnest and campy and has enough fun with itself that that carries on over into the audience as well. And I had fun with it too. Like too actiony for you? <laughs> no, it it had it had a, like aside from the extended gun battles, which again should have just been street fighting. It's in the name, but 
Um, yeah, as somebody who has criticized other action movies we've watched as having too much action and or adventure, um, this one hit the right it had the right feeling and maybe it's not a a matter of this one had the most action and adventure of any of the action and adventure well maybe ones. it's not it to a whole other world <laughs> maybe it's not a matter of like oh wait quantity. i was thinking of mario yeah never mind maybe it's maybe it's not a, so much the quantity of action so much as it is like the feeling around it and i really love like Ernest kind of cheesy campy like schwarzenegger movies and like you know stuff from the 80s and the 90s where like they're just they're out having a good time and there's some i don't know some ridiculous plot tacked on with a even more ridiculous villain who again raul julio was amazing in it like he's just such a he's such a good m bison um i don't know I think Street Fighter of the three is the one that I would most likely go and watch again. Though I don't know if it would be anytime soon. How mad do we think Arnold Schwarzenegger was that he didn't get to be in Street Fighter? Livid. Not, I didn't even think not of that. at all. <laughs> I don't know. It felt very like intro to Terminator to me. I'm trying to see what where where Arnold was at in his film career in 19 was what do we say 93 this was Yeah yeah I mean he's in 94 between 94 okay so he's coming off true he's got true lies coming like coming out the same oh, year Oh so he was he's trying doing to be okay. like Yeah Well of course he was doing okay No but like I mean he's he's working with Cameron again you know like he's he's pretty happy in in his current lane not hanging out with uh uh John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> part whenever I watch this movie, part of me, like I always want to say, like, oh, of course Schwarzenegger's in that movie, and he super isn't. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> part of me believes that he is somewhere. Yeah. And you're not wrong. You're not right, but you're not wrong. Right? Yeah. It's like the spirit of Schwarzenegger is in this movie. Yes. Yeah, I think if. Okay, if I could make two suggestions for the movie. First one, less gun battles. Second one, Jean-Claude Van Damme really needed to street fight more people. Like, <laughs> he was, as soon as he came on the screen, I was like, yes, this is a man that I want to see kick some people. I just want to see him go and, like, have a, have a good old-fashioned brawl and have, like, some sort of extended, like, martial arts sequence. Because, like, he is an actual martial artist. He, he knows... He knows his way around the kicking. And there wasn't enough of that in the movie, I don't think. And the way that it was edited, especially fighting a bison at the end, there's not like uh, the sort of 2D side by side, like here are two people that are going to go and just battle each other. There wasn't enough of that for me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he could have he fought like literal anybody in the movie at any point. You know, there could have been a plot with him fighting Chun Li for some reason. He could have. I really know. needed. I really needed more Chun Li in this movie. Yeah, I think. Yes. Was she was great. my favorite. Her and her news crew. I like them the most. 
as a as a test of Blanca's humanity. He could have had a square <laughs> off with Blanca. There were like so many different scenarios that could have existed for for Guile to do a little bit of street fighting, and it just you know he just like shot at people for the most of it. Not not in my Street Fighter movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. too many guns. Too many guns. Too many guns. Yeah. Anyway. Have we have we come to the end? I think so. I think so. I think I have any more salient thoughts on these films. Not until like a week later when I'll be like, oh, that's a thing that I think. I I do <laughs> think it is interesting that the nineties had this big surgence of video game inspired movies. Do we know what the first one was? Like not not necessarily of the ones that we have talked about, but like what kind right. of kicked off I d I feel like I do. Like I like if somebody said it, I'd be like, Oh yeah, that's a thing that I knew at some point, but I don't I don't know right now. Uh Too weird the sprout time. and I did not play. What? Stall for time. Uh, oh, um, according to Wiki, Super Mario Bros. is the first video game, Hollywood live action video game movie. Followed by okay. followed by Double Dragon, followed by Street Fighter, uh, followed by Mortal Kombat. Um, Where's the Crash Bandicoot movie? <laughs> So That's that is, it is because I, I can also see a world in which Super Mario Brothers was such a flop that none of these movies get made. Yeah, I kind of have the feeling that it was like Super Mario Brothers was a huge flop. And so then people are like, OK, like the next the next movies are Double Dragon, a fighting game, Street Fighter, a fighting game, Mortal Kombat, a fighting game, Mortal Kombat, colon, Annihilation, a fighting game, Wing Commander. Um, a flying game? Flight simulator? Like, and then, Question mark? And then Laura Croft Tomb Raider, right? And then Resident Evil. So, like, after Super Mario flops, we just do a, a run of, like, fighting games, because, like, we're just doing kung fu movies, but with a video game veneer on it. it kung fu so slash whatever we're calling Street Fighter. Like, a UN parable about Eastern, like, Southeast Asia or something. And like, and that's the '90s. Like, the '90s is Mario Brothers, and then a bunch of fighting games. It's which is that's so interesting to be because I I can also see a world where like, oh, Mario flopped so bad, we can never try a video game movie again. That right. was clearly the problem with this film. But I can also see a world where everyone was like, wow. I can do it better because the bar is very low. Sure. So yeah. I am almost disheartened by the pe- the people who weren't like challenge accepted. Here's a Kirby movie. I mean that that was kind of like like that like, like that. that that wasn't until like the aughts. Like in the aughts, we had like you know Tomb Raider, Resident Evil, Alone in say, the Dark, yeah, Doom, yeah, Silent Hill. Resident Evil. That's when we get the Resident Evil explosion. Yeah, Hitman. I'm surprised that it took roughly a decade for that to happen, and that we did a like the fighting games kind of make sense because I don't know action movies. They're probably like these are easier to skin to a movie because they have right. action going on, and then got to the script writing part, and we're like, oh, 
we've been hoisted by our own petard. Right. Like, listen, we'll we'll sense. just do a kung fu movie badly, and then we'll we'll fill yeah. in the gaps from there. Yeah. Like it's, it's like whatever. I don't know. I am deeply intrigued by by these. It does look like. In 86, there was an anime film based on Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. called Super Mario Brothers, The Great Mission to Rescue Princess Peach. That Wait, what? Japanese just, only. <laughs> yeah, Japanese only. And then it starts with Mario playing his, his Famicom and uh, Princess Peach runs out of the TV or something as the Bowser. Oh so like it's. You know, so 86 is like the true first video game movie, which was also Super Mario Brothers related. But as far as like getting into Hollywood, it it was the the movie we watched for today. Yeah. That's speed, man. What an introduction. Truly. All right. Does that feel like a pretty good place to wrap up? Say so. Yeah, I I'm just so. I'm just logging down movies to watch from this video <laughs> now. I'm gonna be busy. Enter the Dragon is on here though, not on the Wikipedia list. It's on my list of. I was gonna say I think you, watch. I think you will very much enjoy it. Enter the Dragon is basically a Street Fighter movie that's just the fighting. I, that sounds that sounds like my bag. That sounds like something I'd I enjoy. I mean, Bruce Lee fights Chuck Norris. What else do you want? That's a good point. What else can you ask for? Forgot Chuck Norris was in that movie. Yeah, I guess I guess Pikachu. If Pikachu was there, it would sure. be perfect. Sure, Pikachu fights Chuck Norris. Yeah, Pikachu fights good everybody. Movie. Good movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the next catching up, David episode. Um, usually, what I do at the end of uh, each episode is for whatever movie we've decided on next, I write a plot summary, uh, having never seen the movie before, and usually, as in this case, knowing nothing about it. Always so delighted by these, <laughs> by the way. So <laughs> this one's a bit of a stretch, I will have to say. Yes. Um, but it's the Day of the Dead, and the oh. most famous fashion designer in the world has no idea what to wear. She's been invited to a costume ball by the president of Mexico himself. But the only idea she has stuck in her head all week is to dress up as a giant candy corn. And no, that won't do at all. Her whole brand could crumble if she wears the wrong thing. And yet, those yellow and orange and white stripes, that triangular shape, the initials CC. No, she can't just be a human-sized candy corn. Not for the president's ball. She tries a sugar skull outfit, a much more fitting costume for the theme of the party. But it just won't do, not when candy corn is an option. All night, she dreams of sweet, waxy pyramids, her arms sticking out at the sides, a round hole cut out for her face. A character study on the descent into madness and obsession. It's Pixar's Coco. Based on the life and times of Coco Chanel and the <gasps> fateful party that changed her life forever. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I'd never even heard of this movie, and I only knew it was Day of the Dead theme because Kristen spoiled it for me. So thanks, Kristen. (laughs) This intro is your fault. If anything, this intro is better because I gave you that spoiler. I I don't know what it would be if I didn't know that it had to do with Day of the Dead.
took me a moment to connect that Coco Chanel and Candy Corn are both CC. Iconic I knew where you were going, but I did not. I did not connect those dots at first. Yeah, that was beautiful, David. Thank it you. Was. Very Coco. faithful to Pixar's Coco too. Our next episode. Uh, so on the next episode of Did You Do Your Homework? We don't have a central theme question yet. It's desert power, Martha. <laughs> we are going to be exploring <laughs> desert power. We do know that we want you all to watch the new 2021 iteration of Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve, and also Lawrence of Arabia, which came out at some point and was directed by some guy. It came out two years before the book Dune came out. Uh, stall for time, stall for time. Uh, (laughs) uh, It came out in 1962 and was directed by David Lean. A director none of us us have ever heard of. Uh, Carry on. So yes, watch those two movies and all will become clear when we return in two weeks time to discuss these forms of desert power. (laughs) Um, I think that is going to do it for us. Yeah. 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 I think that's. That'll that'll do it. So until next time. So long, Pete. Goodbye, David. Goodbye, Martha. Goodbye, David. Goodbye, Hallie. Fare thee well, David. And goodbye, Kristen. Until next time, David. And make sure you do your homework. Class dismissed? Class dismissed. Goodbye, everyone. crossover episode in the bag Uh, that was super fun and I do not envy my podcasting partner who has to now edit this for (laughs) our feed (laughs) this won't be too bad Uh, it's going to be two hours long but it's not going to be that bad oh yeah